Well, good morning, Mission Valley. I'm very excited to be back on the pulpit. It's been a while. I think the last time I spoke was Easter service, or sorry, Good Friday service. So it's been a while. Um, And then I felt like, you know, I usually don't do these things, but since we have new faces here, I kind of wanted to introduce myself. And I have really cool slides. I challenged myself not to do our generic black background and white font screens. I'm trying to give Pastor Dave a run for his money, and I had to step it up after Pastor Nett gave an amazing sermon with, uh, you know, physical demonstrations. Uh, so the first thing about me is that I am currently studying my Master's of Divinity at Azusa Pacific University. I'm in my second year. It's been a great experience getting to know different people, getting to know people from different denominations, seeing their heart for God, and just knowing that, you know, people are alive for God, right? I have people who are my age or younger and older, and they're just on fire for God. So it's been a great experience being able to see them grow and grow alongside of them. The second kind of thing about me is that I'm into pickleball. I guess some could say I'm addicted. I don't think so. You know, during the summer, I was playing maybe five days out of the week only for about two hours. Now I cut it down to two times a week playing for five hours. So, you know, I think it, 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 I'm playing less. The math works out, right? And the last thing is that uh, some people have dogs, some people have cats, some people have birds. If you know me, I'm super into fish. At my house, I currently have six aquariums. Shout out to my parents for being so loving and so gracious. Uh, so if you guys ever want to take a tour, I would love to show you that. Um, but that is a little bit about me. Uh, so now we're going to go into our sermon, and really the sermon title here, and it's going to be Gratitude in the Struggle, and how to be thankful during our struggles. And this is a hard topic. Uh, I was really struggling with, God, what is it you want me to speak about, right? Um, you know, Pastor David said, hey, Mike, can you speak about Thanksgiving? Oh, I, I could do that. It's, I can speak about how to be thankful when things are going right. But God was like, no, I don't want you to speak about that. I don't want you to talk about how to be grateful or how to show gratitude in the impossible. I was like, oh, well, thanks, God. That, that is really, that's a lot harder than, you know, talking about being thankful when things are going good. And I think this is an important topic because oftentimes, you know, we celebrate Thanksgiving once a month. Maybe we celebrate Thanksgiving that month and we try to be more thankful. But how often are we actually showing thankfulness or being grateful outside of Thanksgiving and when things are hard or when things are impossible, Right? And so this is really kind of what God was putting in my heart is really trying to break down certain misconceptions or trying to see the Bible or see God in a different lens. So I'm going to open up with a Psalms of Thanksgiving. Thank you, Ashley. And it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, I thought this was just a great psalm to open up with because it was just Thanksgiving, so why not open up with a communal psalm of thanksgiving? So if we go into our next slide, we're going to go into our kind of passage verse here, and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, okay? And so a little bit of background on this text or this verse. This is Paul writing to the church of Thessalonia, okay? Paul writes this letter because 
he knows that there's a lot of persecution going on at the time. Now, Roman persecution was no joke. We know that Roman persecution involved stoning, whipping, execution, Christians being fed to lions for sport in the Colosseum, right? These were all the things that were happening during the time of the Roman Empire. And the Thessalonian church was a, is, was a church that Paul had founded. So Paul's thinking to himself, oh my gosh, are my people going to lose faith in God, right? Are my people going to waver? Are they going to say, you know what? I don't believe in this God. My family members are being persecuted. I'm going to be persecuted. I don't want to believe in this anymore, okay? And so that was kind of his thinking when he was going to write this letter. And so, you know, he, he's, he's about to write this letter, and he says in First, in First Thessalonians that he could not visit the Thessalonian church. And you're probably thinking, well, if you want to motivate someone, right, if you want to motivate a crowd to do God's will, to share the gospel, what better way to give them a pep rally, like a motivational talk? But he couldn't do that because Satan had blocked him, right? And now he's like, I can't write a letter. Imagine me telling you guys, go do this, right? Emailed everyone. I didn't give no, I didn't come up here. I didn't give a sermon. I just emailed you guys to do this, right? So Paul was unable to do this because Satan had blocked him. And so he sends Timothy, right? Timothy's kind of the runner. He sends Timothy to scout what's happened, how it's happening in the Thessalonian church. And so when Timothy reports back to Paul in Corinth, he says, Paul, guess what? Their faith has not wavered. In fact, their faith has grown stronger. And Paul is surprised. He's like, oh my gosh, like, this is not what I expected. I expected my people, the church of Thessalonia, to be broken. So instead, he changes it. So instead of a writing, sorry, excuse me, instead of writing a letter to not give up, he writes a letter to empower them to keep on going, right? Don't give up. You guys got this. Keep doing what you're doing. And this is where verse, chapter 5, verse 18 comes from, is when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And the all circumstances really represent the persecution that the Thessalonian church was going through. And so this is why he writes that verse, because he understands that regardless of what is happening to us, we are called to give thanks in all circumstances. It's the will of God, as he says. So if we go to the next slide, what does that mean for us? So Paul believed that the Thessalonians and us could give thanks in all circumstances, right? He's just not writing this to the Thessalonians, but he also wrote this for us. Whatever we go through, Paul truly believed that there was no situation in which we could not give thanks or be grateful, right? And although we do not face the same situations, right? None of us are facing death when we share the gospel. We're not, we're not sneaking around like this. We know that we have freedom in religion. Although we don't face these things, we still endure sufferings, right? We still experience pain, grief, all, the, all these emotions that in the same way where it might be impossible to give thanks or to be grateful in the struggle, okay? And so that is the goal. The goal here is to how can we give thanks? How can we give thanks when life isn't going our way? How can we be grateful in the struggle? How can we be grateful in the impossible, right? And so to experience this type of gratitude, one way that I'm going to try and explain here is that we are going to use the Psalms as a method or way to be able to give Sorry, to show gratefulness in the struggle. So if we go to the next slide, I have here breaking down the Psalms. And what are the Psalms? 
right? We know the Psalms are poetic. They're songs, they're praises. We know that we, the psalmists are David, you know, Abraham, Moses, many more. And in these Psalms, it is an expression of emotion, right? It is, it is a beautiful piece of writing where the psalmist is opening their heart to God. Whatever is on their mind, the psalmist is expressing. And so I, I have on here the Psalms of Disorientation. And when you look at the Psalms, right, we know there are Psalms of Praises, Psalms of Laments. And so, so with Psalms of Disorientation, and this is what I'm going to focus on, is when human life consists of seasons of hurt, alienation, suffering, and death, which evoke emotions of anger, resentment, self-pity, and hatred. Now, I'm, I'm assuming at one point we've all felt these type of emotions, right? You know, we, I'm sure when someone has wronged us, we're like, oh, I have resentment. Or if someone, um, you know, stole something from us or we lost a job or someone fired us or, or things where we felt like we didn't deserve, we have these feelings of hatred or anger, right? And, you know, growing up in the church, for me, I always thought that these feelings were wrong. Like, I wasn't allowed to feel this. So we go to the next slide. In order to really break down the Psalms further and how to express gratitude, I think there needs to be a change in how we view our faith and how we view the Psalms. So here's a misconception of the Psalms. And maybe for some of us, we have been living this misconception. And it says, we believe that faith does not mean acknowledging and embracing negativity. We have thought that acknowledgement of negativity was somehow an act of unfaith. And I was guilty of that. I thought that me not embracing negativity represented me being faithful. Because I said, you know what? I don't need to embrace the negativity. God's got this, right? But this is what we should think. The use of these psalms of darkness or disorientation may be judged by the world to be acts of unfaith and failure. But for the trusting community, their use is an act of bold faith, albeit a transformed faith. So what this means is that for the, tr- the, for the trusting community, when they sing these psalms of darkness or when they pray these psalms of darkness, they're not saying it because they doubt God, but because they trust God. That they know that God is going to work regardless of the situation, right? And to really, uh, we're going to use some examples to kind of see how this is playing out. So if we go to the next slide, we have two psalms, Psalms 4.1, and it says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my right. Now, parents, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to use the other example. How do you feel when your kid misses your phone call? <laughs> Is this what you say to them? <laughs> right? Now, kids, or, sorry, we're still going to use parents. Now, what if your kid told you this when, your ki- when you had missed a call from your kid? How would you feel? See, no one's, the parents aren't saying anything, Right? You're probably like, oh, my kid, they're they're never going to say that. How dare they say that to me, right? But notice here, notice who the one is talking, right? It says, answer me when I call, O God of my right. This is a psalmist putting God in his place, telling God to answer him. It is not God telling the psalmist, answer me, David or Moses or whoever. No, this is the psalmist telling God, answer me, right? And now we're thinking like, can we say that to God, right? I know, I know I would never say that, Pastor Dave, woo-wee, right? <laughs> That's for sure. And so again, for me, like, it's like how much of this do we actually believe? Can we convince ourselves that this is actually a possible way to communicate with God? 
Now the second one is Psalm 74, 1. Oh God, why do you cast this off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Right? This is a serious psalm. Right? The psalmist, here is, exp- the psalmist is expressing abandonedness. They feel that God has left them. But I feel like somehow we have convinced ourselves that if we say, God, why did you leave me? It shows that we're doubting God. It shows that we don't have a faith because we're actually questioning God. But there is a reason why the psalmist does this. Again, it is a psalmist disorientation. The psalmist knows that regardless of how dark the times were, that they can still trust God, that they have this transformed faith that we need to have. So when we go to the next slide, this is a two-part of the same psalm. So we're going to go over the first two verses, Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2, and it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, and by night, but find no rest. Notice here again, the psalmist is raw. Their emotions are on full display. They're not holding back. They accuse God of not helping him. They accuse God of not being there. And, there, and this is the opening line or a couple of lines of the psalm. There is no God, please answer me. Oh, or he's not praising him before he goes into this little rant. The opening two verses here are the psalmist questioning God and accusing God. But how does the psalm end? Right, so we're going to skip basically the most of the psalm, and we're going to go to the last line, and it says, To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. So it's a little confusing because didn't the psalmist just accuse God of not being there? Why would you want to serve someone who's not going to be there for you, right? But the reason why the psalmist is here saying, I shall live for him, is because he has a transformed faith. That he accuses God, he questions God, not because he believes it, because that's his heart. And he knows God's heart, right? So if we're going to the next slide, how do these psalms help us experience gratitude in the struggle. So the first one is by praying in this manner, we state the current reality in which we live, whether good or bad, right? When you pray to God, God doesn't just want to hear what's going good in your life. Yes, God wants to be praised. He wants to be worshiped. But God wants to know what's not going well in your life. What are the things that are the absolute most terrible things that are happening in your life? God wants to know that too, God wants to know your heart. The second point is that we have a conversation with God that has no parameters or restrictions, right? When we look at those psalms, there weren't any restrictions. There were no parameters. The psalmist full out called God out for not being there. He accused God of leaving them, for forsaking them, right? There was no hesitation. There was no, oh, maybe God has left me. He said, God, you have left us. You left your people, so, and the third one is we are forced to face our emotions. So when you state the reality, you're going to have to face them one way or the other. When things aren't going well in your life, usually when you're expressing it to someone, you're acknowledging that I'm sad. I am mad. I am angry. I have resentment. But we face our emotions and we don't hide from them. And so this is one way we can be thankful in all circumstances by 
clear, by, by simply just stating the current reality to God, whatever is on our hearts. This past, this past month, or sorry, the previous month, we had a recalibrate retreat where, you know, the, the church leaders of the conference, we all gather um, to, to San Clemente, and we have, we have a leadership conference there. Well, unfortunately, the week before, I had a uh, poor encounter with my professor. Basically, it shook me to the brim where I was very insecure. I lacked confidence. I didn't know if I wanted to continue being a pastor. I didn't know if I wanted to be a student anymore. Uh, basically, my whole world was being rocked. And at the time, I was also learning about the Psalms. And it was these same Psalms where I questioned, how come I was never taught to fully express myself to God? Why did I always feel like I had to hide my true emotions for God? For example, if something bad happens to me, I would always have to tell myself, it's going to be okay, God's got this, God's got this, which is true, but I never stated what was actually happening. I never stated that I was struggling. All I said was, God, I trust you right? And so, you know, I'm turning 25 next month. Some people have a quarter-life crisis. I had a spiritual life crisis at the age of 24, and I just was struggling. I didn't know if I wanted to continue being a pastor. I didn't know if I wanted to be a student because of all these things that were happening to me. And so I remember I was driving home from class the day with my, you know, poor encounter with my professor, and I was just, God, what is it you want from me? Why do I have to experience this? Why do I have to be publicly humiliated in front of my class? Why did I have to even be called on, God? Why do I have to feel like I have to know all the answers for me just to be a pastor? You know, and I was, and I, in my mind, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to God right now. Am I going to apply what I've been learning in my Psalms class, or am I going to run away? Am I going to just say, you know, God, I trust you. It's going to be okay. And in that moment, God told me this. Well, he, he told me a lot of things, but <laughs> the first thing that God told me is, Michael, you cannot offend me. No matter what you say, you cannot offend me. Because I know if I said the same things to maybe a friend or a parent, I might offend them. But God told me in that moment, Michael, you cannot offend me. Whatever you accuse me of, whether you question me or not, you cannot offend me. So I did what the psalmists were doing. I flat out told God, this sucks. God, I don't know why you're doing this to me, God. I don't know why I have to go through this. Yes, I have my doubts. Yes, I have my concerns. I have my questions. Why, why do I have to go through these circumstances when I, when I could, you know, just do, rather be doing something else? And I was expressing myself to God in the way that the psalmist was. I was telling God, this is how I feel. I feel like I was wrong, robbed. I feel like life could not get any worse just because of the current circumstances and everything else that were happening. And coincidentally enough, God did not respond to that. Um, but I tell you, when I told God that, I knew I was safe. I was driving home. I did not, I did not get stri- uh, struck by lightning. I made it home. I didn't feel judged by God. All I knew was that God had heard me. And so a couple days passed you know, we're coming up to the recalibrate retreat, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just, I need to get ready for this retreat, uh, pack my stuff. And I remember God telling me, Michael, I want you to go to San Diego. I'm like, San Diego? And if you know me, I like comfortability, right? I'm never going to go somewhere alone where it's out of reach from home. San Diego is like two and a half hours from me. And I just remember God telling me, Michael, I want you to go somewhere where you can't be comfortable, 
Michael, I want you to go somewhere where you cannot retreat home. Because if you want this, if you want to see what I'm doing, you're going to have to go and get it. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to San Diego alone. Never done that before. And in that, I just remember, man, I, I can hear Satan telling me, Michael, don't go, don't go. What happens if you get in a car accident? Who's going to save you? No one. You're two hours away. It doesn't help that my tire indicator light was on. That doesn't help. Right? So there, there are all these things happening. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I should go. And granted, I was, I was only on the 10 freeway. You know, I, I wasn't that far. <laughs> so I could turn back, but I just remember like, no, like I'm going, I'm going to stay there. Of course, I'm going to drive on the 5 until it hits the 405. I'm going to just beeline it straight. And so, you know, I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm listening to my worship music. I'm like, God, like, I don't know what it is you want to, you're going to show me. I don't know what it is you're going to tell me. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm doubting you, God. But whatever it is, in the end, I trust you. I have these doubts now, but I trust in what you're going to do. <clears throat> so one of the things, you know, when you go on, a, I would say, a vacation, right, you either get an Airbnb and, or you get a hotel. You know, for me, if this is the first time I had to check into a hotel without my parents, I thought I was doing something illegal. Then I realized that the legal age is 18, and I'm closer to 30 than I am 18, <laughs> right? So I was like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, that was, you know, reality set in. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess I can do this. <laughs> so I check into my hotel, get my own room, uh, and I'm like, okay, God, where, where do I need to go? Like, what is it you need to show me? So there's this place in San Diego called Sunset Cliffs. If you have been, it's very beautiful, very beautiful. And so I go there. I kind of find this bench by myself. I'm eating my hamburger. And I'm like, God, I'm here. I don't know what is it. I'm still questioning God. Like, why did I have to drive two and a half hours to experience this moment? But I'm here. And I remember I was hunched over. I was listening to my worship music. I look like, I'm extrovert, but I, I tell you, in that moment, I looked really introverted. I was like curled up in like a, like a ball. I didn't, want, I didn't just want to be there. Because I knew that I had to face my emotions. I had to face the past. I knew that part of me was like, what if I had to experience the past 24 years of my life doing religion wrong, right? Because for me, I grew up in a pastor's household. I grew up in the church. But I realized that my faith wasn't actually mine. Some of it came from the institution, whether it be Evergreen, whether it be Mission Valley, whether it was my, my dad or the camps or my friends. Like, I didn't know if this faith was actually mine. So these were the thoughts running in my head. I said, God, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm doubting you. And in that moment, like God, I remember God clearly saying, Michael, just be still. And so I was still. I didn't think about anything. I, was just, I tried to just be in the moment. And then all of a sudden, this is going to be very abstract. I apologize. But there was this globe, okay? Think about it like the earth. And instead of continents and the ocean, I had flashbacks of my life, flashbacks of my friends, flashbacks of, uh, you know, my childhood, flashbacks of working here, flashbacks of being a student, whatever it was. I had these memories that were pinned on this globe. And I remember one by one, God is like taking them down, right? So now it's just like a see-through sphere. And at the core of that sphere was a baby. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what this means. I'm not alluding to anything, I swear. Um, no, but I remember when I saw that little image of a baby, it was glowing, and God told me this, Michael, 
It was never about who you are or who you were. It's always about about whose you were, and you've always been a child of mine. I remember in that moment, God kind of built up my sphere again with these pictures, these memories. You know, before I was a youth pastor, I was a child of God. Before I was a friend, a son, a boyfriend, a leader, a student, I was always a child of God first. And he built me back up, right? Because like I said, I didn't know what to believe. I was having this spiritual life crisis. I didn't know what my faith was. I didn't know whose my faith was. But, yeah, but then God was telling me, Michael, you're mine, right? But for me, in order to get to that place, I had to experience my emotions, I had to tell God, this is what I'm feeling, and I'm not holding back. Now, there are seasons where God calls us to wait, right? But for me, I, God was telling Michael, you need to go get it. You need to show me that if you love me, if you want to serve me, go drive to San Diego. <laughs> but I feel like there's so many of us right now who are questioning God, and arguably so. So many of us, are thinking, God, why did I have to lose a death of a loved one? Why do I have to lose a family member? God, why did I lose my job? You know, for my students out there, you know, why, why did I fail this test? How come I'm not getting the grades I'm getting? God, why is it that I struggle with mental health? Why is it that I know people that have been diagnosed with cancer? And, you know, I, I, I don't know those answers. And I remember, you know, last week, I was in the back of the drum shield. I was just, like, crying because I was like, God, what is it you want to show me? God, what is it you're trying to tell me in this moment? Why is it that our church or, you know, people around the world have to go through this when we can just glorify you without any, you know, any consequences, when we can glorify you, when we can dance for you, we can sing, pray without any restrictions? Why is it that we have to go through this in order to experience you, right? But I want to tell you this. When I was back there, when I just had this flood of these questions, these doubts, not just by me, but I felt the doubts of everyone else, God's telling you this, that he is here in this moment right now. That God hears you, he sees you in this moment. That when you see your life, what it has been, what it will be, that you can experience gratefulness that you can experience thankfulness regardless of whatever situation it is you're going. For me, I was able to say, you know what? Yes, I had these, you know, these, these, these situations that I didn't want to experience, but I'm grateful that I have a God who loves me and sees me. I'm grateful for a church that has my back. I'm grateful for, for friends, for families that have my back. In every circumstance where we think it's impossible to experience God's uh, love, his care, his passion, we can experience being grateful. But it starts with being able to acknowledge that life sometimes isn't great, that life isn't going the way it's supposed to go, and that is okay. And that's the starting point with God, right? Just like these psalms, the psalmist did not hold back on God. 
The psalmist accused God. He questioned God. There are psalms where the, God, where the psalmist is telling God to kill someone. There are psalms where the psalmist is negotiating with God. The psalmist does not hold back in any of these psalms. And that is just one way that we can experience gratefulness in the struggle. And again, it's because we can express these things to God. There are no parameters. There are no restrictions. I don't want us to feel bad if we say to God, I'm doubting you. God, I, had, I don't have faith right now. God, I'm mad at you. I think God wants to hear that because why? Those are our true emotions that we feel. God gives us emotions for a reason. And God wants to show you that I can work in these situations, whether it be now or later, that God is going to work in them All we have to do is tell him, this is how we feel. And God is going to work. God is going to redeem any situation. It may not be in the way we're thinking, but God's plan is always going to be better. God's plan is always going to be better than what we want. But it starts with stating the current reality. God, why did I have to lose my job? God, why have you forsaken me? God, why did I have to go through this experience when the other person didn't have to? And so for our weekly challenge, these are the three things that I really want us to focus on. Read, read the Psalms of Lament of, or Disorientation. So for example, I have some on here if you want to write them down. Psalms 13, Psalms 22, 42, 60, and 74. And in these Psalms, pay attention to how the psalmist is reacting toward God. Pay attention to how the psalmist is addressing God. And I want us to get used to these type of prayers because, one, it shows that we're not scared of God, right? We're not scared of holding back. God wants us to be able to go to him fully without hiding our feelings, without lying to him about how we're doing. God wants us to go to him fully. The second one is be honest with God when we face hardships or trials in our life. Some of you may have had really hard upbringings. Some of you are currently experiencing impossible situations where you're like, I can't even thank God. And I know this is scary for some, but be in that moment and, and, and feel the emotions that you're feeling and give them up to God. Because we can't run away. We're, we cannot run away from our being who is literally going to be right here no matter how far we go, who is going to encompass our whole being no matter how far we go. And lastly, identify areas where you can practice being grateful in unideal situations, right? This is easier said than done. The one thing I love about Paul is that he didn't tell us how can we be grateful in all circumstances, right? That's one of the end goals. But it's up to us how we want to view that path. We might go through mountains. We might go through lakes. We might go through seasons of curveballs. But whatever area it is in your life, I promise you that God's saying, just let me in. Let me in. Let me walk with you. Invite me into your heart. Right. So these are the things, right, where the Psalms are just one way we can experience gratefulness in the struggle. And it is because God allows us to fill. It is because God allows us to express these things for who we are, for what we feel without being judged, without being struck by lightning, without being persecuted. God's like, no, come to me how you are. I, use, I kind of use this 
um, this metaphor with my leaders, but you know, sometimes when you go to a wedding, when you're going to a fancy event, obviously you don't want to go in PJs. You want to go in a tuxedo, a, a nice dress, whatever it is that is according to the dress code. Sometimes we feel like that with God. Sometimes we feel like in order for us to go to God, we have to say the, the most grand words, call it magnificent, powerful. Sometimes we need to do X, Y, and Z to go to God. Sometimes we need to put on our best clothes or put on makeup to go to God. But you know how God really wants to see you or talk to you as? is when we get out of bed, when we look the worst. God wants to tell you that is who you are. I want to be the one wiping away your tears. You don't have to wipe away your tears before you go to me. I will wipe away your tears. And this is my prayer for, for us, that you know that you don't have to be the best dressed to go to God, that you don't have to, do, you don't have to say the most profound adjectives to get God's attention, that all you need to do is tell God, I need help. God, show me what it is that you're trying to show me. God, what is it you want me to do? Right. Worship team, you can come up and let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, you know, we, we come before you with our hurts, with our, with our questions, our concerns, and our doubts, that I pray that we're able to go to you, God, with no restrictions, that we know that there is nothing we can't go to you for, that we experience seasons of the impossible, we experience seasons of we never thought this would happen to us, we experience seasons of I just can't get up, and I pray, God, that it is in those seasons that we can just go to you, that we can just say what's on our heart, that we don't have to hold back, that you work in those feelings, those genuine feelings that we have for ourselves and for you, God. Lord, we just thank you that you have provided for us, that it is, sometimes it is hard to see how you have been there, but in every moment, God, you've never left us that you have always been right there telling us, I am here. I am right next to us. And that when, when life gets hard, when life gets impossible, when life is, when we're struggling, that we know, God, that we don't have to hold back. That yes, we trust you, God. We want to be that trusting community. We want to have that transformed faith. We want to be able to give thanks in all circumstances, to rejoice in all circumstances. Right, but it starts by letting you in, into our hearts. So I pray these things, God. I pray that our congregation can have that transformed faith. Be the trusting community that you desire, God. Amen.